the book of John, chapter 8. And we're gonna, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture. But this is going to kind of set me up for where I want to go here tonight. And the Bible says there in John chapter 8, verse 1, we're going to read down to verse 10. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and Adonai appeared again in the temple courts while all the people were gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Someone say, uh-oh. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You know what's kind of heavy when you read that? It didn't say that, you know, she got caught after she was adulterous. It said that she got caught in the act of adultery. Think about that for a minute. Amen. And in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at this, and at this those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Hello, OGs. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. And with the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, and then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Bow our heads here tonight. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy, Lord God. I thank you for your grace. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that the word that you gave me a long time ago, Lord God, and just brought back to my remembrance, Lord, that you would help me to, to give it the same way you gave it to me, Lord. And that, Father, your people would be blessed here tonight in Jesus' name. And together we all said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Is anybody here ever needed a second chance? Come on. Is anybody here ever needed a second chance? Okay. I think I'm in the right place. Well, I don't know about you, but when I look over my life and look at some of the situations that I've been involved in, hello, and some of the choices that I've made, how many, we all make choices, right? We all got ourselves caught up in a few different situations over the years. Praise the Lord. I know that I used to always think this. I used to always think this to myself. I even voiced it a few times when nobody was around. I said, if only I had a second chance. If only I had a second chance. Has anybody ever said that before? Anybody have felt that way before? You ever voiced that to anybody before? Right? We say, man, if I just had a second chance, if I could just do this over again, right, I would have done things different. I would have done this different. I wouldn't have done that or I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have gotten involved in the things that I got involved in, right? I wouldn't have hooked up with this person. I wouldn't have got with Scary Mary. Hello, right? I wouldn't have done the things that I did. I, come on, right, Vince? I wouldn't have done the things that I did. If I just had another chance, I would do things different. Or is that just me? Huh? I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't have married the girl that I married. I wouldn't have married this guy, right? If I just had a second chance, praise the Lord. How many know sometimes we have regrets? Right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a second chance. Because how many know even sometimes, sometimes we make choices and we make mistakes that God can still bring good out of it? Right? So I know I was just joking when I said, you know, maybe I, you know, I wouldn't have just married this girl. Or I wouldn't have just married this guy. Amen? Because I know I've said that to myself many, many times. If I would have just made different decisions, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. That's probably true, but how you know a guy can still move? But there are still those things where, you know what, if I had just another chance, man, I had another chance, I would do things different. 
Praise the Lord. Webster Dictionary describes the word second as one that is next after the first. Huh? Second. Talking about second chances. That second is one that is next after the first. And I'm going to share something with you right now, so I want you guys to stay with me, okay? And you'll see where I'm going with this after, as soon as I, I finish. It says, so the number two or second means difference because number one excludes all differences. When you have one of something, you have nothing to compare it with. When you have two of something, there has to be a difference. And one has to be first, and the other has to be second. You guys still with me? Okay. They can be equal, but they can never be the same. The two is the first number which we can divide, which, by which we can divide another. When the earth lay in chaos, its condition was in ruin and darkness. The second thing recorded in connection with creation was the introduction of a second thing, which was light. You guys still with me? Okay. When the second thing came into being, immediately there was a difference and a division. And the Bible says that God divided the light from the darkness. The second person of the Trinity took on two natures, perfect God and perfect man. There are two testaments, the old and the new. There are two natures, the sin nature and the son nature. So you see, second chances not only happen, right? But that God is the God of a second. Can somebody say amen? That God is the God of a second. God believes in second chances. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say thank you, Jesus, for seconds? Come on now. The feeling that comes over a person when they blow it or mess up in life is it feels final or maybe this is over. This is the end. I'm done, right? Has anybody ever felt like that when you messed up, right? Things were going good. You messed up. You're like, you know what? This is it. It's done. It's over, right? But let me, let me let you know here tonight that the game that you and I are in, the game of life is not a game. It's a game, but it's not a game. I don't know if that makes sense. The game of life, it's not a game where it's just one chance and it's over. This is not a game where you get one shot and you're done. You know, there's a lot of games that you get one shot, and like in the championship game, you get one shot and that's it, right? There's no, oh, can I get a redo, right? Come on, can I get a do-over? Right? I know we like to do that sometimes, though, right? I know for me, because I need a lot of do-overs. Praise the Lord. But see, my God is a God of a second chance. My God is the God of a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, in my case, hello, and I thank God for that. But God is the God of a second. See, my Bible says that God that I serve is a merciful God. Is the God that you serve a merciful God? Do you believe this right here? Do you believe what is in this book? If you do, then you know that our God is a merciful God. And that our God is the God of a second. See, mercy means to extend help to the lowliest and the most undeserving. How many know that we were the lowliest and we were the most undeserving? Oh, come on. Who am I talking to here tonight? How many know that we were low, right? Most people wouldn't even give us the time of day, right? That we didn't deserve the mercy that God gave us. You see, here it implies compassion that overshadows punishment. Huh? That's what the, the mercies of God is. God's mercy implies compassion that overshadows punishment. Because how many know that you and I, we deserve some punishment? That we deserve to get disciplined by God? There was a lot of things that we deserved from God because of the lives that we were living. But how many know that God had compassion on our lives? Even when justice demands it. Because how many know that justice demands punishment? Right? Even the Bible talks about it. That it, it's got to have it. 
There's got to be some punishment. But God's passion or compassion and his mercy, huh? I don't know when I think about that right now. When I think about all the things that I did and how much I don't deserve God's mercy, huh? I think about the things that I deserve that I didn't get. Hello, we were talking about that in my Bible study last night in my life group. I'm just going to throw a plug out for that right now, amen? We were talking about grace and talking about the things that we did deserve and how we didn't get what we deserved, right? Because how many know that grace is receiving something that you don't deserve? But mercy is getting what you, or getting, see, I just confused myself right now. Did somebody say amen? You guys ever get confused? You know what I mean, right? Praise the Lord. You'll get it on the way home. Amen. But we were talking about it last night. We were talking about grace and how we, we get what we don't deserve. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's compassion. I don't deserve any of those things. And even somebody was even asking, well, why does God even love us in the first place? Why does he give us grace? Why does he give us mercy? Why does he love us? Why, why, why? You ever think about that? Why does God love you? Why does he love you? And the only thing I can think of is, you know why? It's because he created you. He created you with his own bare hands, man. Each and every one of us was created separately. We weren't like on a mass production line. Just look at the person next to you. You can tell that person is unique, man. There's nobody else like them. And God did that on purpose. And because of that, he loves you. He loves you. And I used to think about even my father, you know, because, you, know, you know, our parents created us, right? And I think about all the things that I did and how, you know, how messed up I was. But yet my dad still loved me. My dad still had that love for me. Why? Because he created me, man. I was his son. And it's the same thing with God and with you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He created you. That's why he loves you. And that's why he gives us his mercy. Huh? Even when justice demands it. Even when justice demands that you be punished, that I be punished, mercy comes in. Can somebody say amen? See, justice demanded that every person in this room should have been dead, but mercy stepped in and said, not today. Not today. Huh? The day that you gave your, your life to the Lord, the day that you came to the altar, or maybe the day that you, you know, maybe you fell on your knees, in, in, you know, out in the street corner somewhere, or in your bedroom at home, or wherever you were at, mercy came in and said, not today. Not today. Not for my son. I'm going to extend my mercy, and I'm going to extend my grace, and I'm going to give them another chance. Can somebody say Amen. See, God's mercy is so awesome that it's inexpressible. God's mercy has no limit. There is no one beyond his saving power. Can someone say hallelujah? There is nobody that God can't touch. There is nobody that is so far gone that God cannot touch their lives and pull them back in. Can somebody say amen? Do you believe that? His mercy reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valleys, and his mercies are new every morning. How many of you guys are grateful that every day you get up, the mercies of God are brand new, man? It doesn't matter what you did the day before or the day before that, or the year before that, every morning that you get up, everything is brand new. Can someone say praise the Lord? <coughs> Open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. guys there if we confess our sins he is faithful and just come on somebody say faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness the bible says that he will forgive us the bible doesn't say he might forgive us the bible doesn't say he's thinking about forgiving you the bible doesn't say perhaps he will forgive you 
the Bible says that he will forgive us. He will forgive us. He will forgive us. Come on, how many guys need the forgiveness of God? Well, I'm here to let you know that he's going to forgive you. But the Bible says that you got to confess. Come on, and that's very key in the receiving second chances from God. Because God wants to give you another chance. You know why? Because God knows what's inside of you. Because God has put it there himself. He knows, your, he knows what, what's cap- what you're capable of when you turn your life over to him. When you, you, you submit yourself and say, you know what, Lord, I messed up. This is what I did. You know, he already knows what you did. It's not like you really confess anything. He doesn't know. Hello. Just, just in case somebody didn't know that. Hello. You know, you can't hide from God. You can run, right? But you can't hide. Anything you've ever done, thought about doing, he already knows. So you're not telling him something he doesn't already know, but he wants to hear you confess it. Because when we confess things with our mouth, it's we're releasing it. We're getting rid of it. We're saying, you know, this isn't me, man. I want to give it to you. You take it from me. Here it is, Lord. It's yours. And then he's able to say, okay, now let's get busy. Now let's get, let's get busy with that second chance. Can someone say amen? We have to allow God to cleanse us from all the junk that got us to the point of needing that second chance in the first place. How many of you know we didn't just end up somewhere? Like, man, how did I get here? I don't remember anything. I just woke up one morning and I needed a second chance. That's not how it worked, right? I mean, we did a lot of things. We made a lot of choices and we ended up where we were were at for a reason. And I remember where I was at when I needed my second, third, fourth. It's probably like my fifth or sixth chance. Amen. But how many know, thank God for God's mercies. I was saved, sanctified, supposed to be serving God, right? Went through the men's home. Hello, men's home. Come on. I'm here to let you know that the men's home is not going to keep you. And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to encourage you. Just to let you know that there's a lot more for you when you get out. Huh? There's a lot more for you. God has so much more for you than what, you, what, what he's given you. He's giving you what, what he's giving you right now in the home is he's, he's packing your, your, your toolbox right now. Right? And I know Pastor Greg gives you guys a lot of tools, man. You know, he teaches you how to use them. He doesn't just say, here, go use it. He hands it to you and he shows you, here, this is how you use it. Not just in the spirit, but also in physically, amen? He said, here, here's a, here's a hammer, bro. I'm going to show you how to hammer a nail. But he also does it in the spirit, the spiritual tools. And I remember sitting in this certain place thinking, what am I doing here? You know, and literally saying, how did I get here? But I knew how I got there, right? I remember the decisions I made. I remember all the stuff I had done. And I remember sitting there, and it was at a Bible study, and I can't remember what the guy was talking about, but I just remember the Spirit of God just hit me. And it was funny because it was at a Bible study in Santa Rita Jail. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my pod in this Bible study thinking, what the heck? You know, these guys are, you know, you know how jailhouse preachers are, right? But something he said hit me. And I was like, what am I doing here, man? And that was the last chance that God gave me. And I mean that because I never actually had to go back for those reasons to get those kinds of chances. But that's what I remember thinking, you know what, Lord? This is it. This is it for me. Huh? And I had to allow God to come into my life and cleanse me of all that stuff. Cleanse me of all that stuff. Hear me now. All that stuff. All that stuff. Not just a few things. Not just the things that I wanted to pick. Oh, I'm going to let him have this. And, okay, God, I'm going to give you that. And, but I'm going to hold on to that because I might need that later. No, no, I had to let go of everything, man. Everything. And I never look back. Never look back. Hasn't been easy, but I never look back. See, we do this by confessing sins in our lives. Not just to God, because he already knows. I already said that. God already knows. But to one another, to truly drag them out of the sin closet and call them what they are and send them where they belong. Huh? 
Because it's one thing to confess to God, because when you confess to God, you know, it's, it's like, okay, Lord, this is what, and then it's done, right? But when you have to confess to your brother, or to another sister, right, things that you've done, now you open yourself up. Huh? How many know you open yourself up? But how many know that's what God wants us to do? He wants us to open ourselves up so that they can pour into us. So they can come in and they can lead us and guide us and share with us and, you know, uh, uh, rebuke us if we need to get rebuked. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, you hear that word rebuke and you're like, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. How many know rebuking is good for you? Come on now. Rebuke is good for you. But we need to bring that sin out of the closet, right, and send it where it belongs. Can somebody say amen? Now, thank God today is a new day for us. But for many folks, their lives still remain the same. There might even be somebody here today. You could be in church. You could be reading your Bible. You could even be going to life group, but you're still living the same life. Something hasn't changed. Something hasn't changed. Your attitude, your habit, your lifestyle, huh? These things will be unchanged, and that's because of a failure to realize that there is new life in Christ Jesus. We hear it, right? We hear that there's new life, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. We hear that all the time. We think just because we come to church that we're a new creation. Well, I go to church every Sunday, so I'm a new creation. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It says new life is in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, it doesn't say if anyone is in church. If anyone is in a church, they're a new creation. That's, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says anyone is in Christ. Christ alone can wipe away all the old and bring in the new. Only Christ can do that. So you and I can take a man, we can clean him up, and we can put him in a new suit, right? But only God can take a suit and put a new man in it. Huh? And that's what's happening in our man's home, right? Because you can bring anybody in off the street, give him a shave, give him a haircut, put him in a new suit, but they're not changed. They just look different. They just look different, but that's not what we do in the home. That's not what Christ does in the church either. Huh? Man does that. But what Christ does hmm, is he changes the man, puts him in a suit, puts a new man in the suit, because you can put a new man in an old suit. We can change the outward man by a new hairstyle, new clothes, new attitude, make new friends, but only Jesus can make all things new. How many, guys, how many guys need Jesus to make all things new in your life? How many guys are tired of the old? How many guys need a second chance today? Come on now, who needs a second chance today? Another thing you need to know is that your future is not determined by your past. It's not determined by who you used to be. Right? Sometimes we hold on to our old self a little bit too long. Right? It talks about burying the old man. But sometimes we tend to dig him up when we're supposed to be burying him. Right? Every day we're supposed to be putting another shovel of dirt on that old man. You know, boom, and bury that guy. Because if you don't, if you just kind of leave him in that open grave and think that's it, he's going to rise up, man. Huh? Someone's going to say something to you a little bit wrong, and the old man's going to rise up. Huh? He's going to whoosh, here I am. Right? And he's going to... Wham! Right? He's going to tell you what's on his mind. Right? But see, our past doesn't determine our future. <clears throat> it's not determined by who you used to be. It's determined by who Christ Jesus is and what he can and will do in your life. See, the adulterous woman had already been accused, right? They brought her to her. They already accused her. She was already guilty. And she was already condemned by the Pharisees to be stoned to death. In the natural, her situation was hopeless, right? Her situation was hopeless. She was going to get stoned. They were going to kill her. That was probably what was going through her mind. There was no hope for her in her mind. But Jesus lifted her head and told her, go and sin no more. 
And he also says to us the same thing when we fall short. Tell me, you know, the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory, right? We all come up short. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody, right? If you're perfect, I want to talk to you in the back after the service. Amen. I need some advice. But none of us here are perfect. Nobody's perfect. There was only one perfect man, and that was Jesus Christ. We all fall short. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all blow it one way or another. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened already, I'm here to let you know. I'm going to tell you your future. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Maybe here tonight someone is feeling discouraged because you've fallen short in some area, right? Maybe you came in the church tonight, and you're like, man, I don't even know if I should go. How many know when you, when you feel like you came up short, you don't feel like going to church? You don't feel like being around people that are trying to encourage you because you're like, man, I messed up. You know, but maybe you, you came tonight. If you're here tonight, that's because God brought you here. That you're here tonight for a reason. Don't lose hope. Go to God, confess it. Go to God and confess it and let him put you back in the game. Huh? Let him put you back in the game. God always wants us in the game. Huh? Did you know that? God always wants us in the game. He doesn't want us to be sitting on the bench. He doesn't want us to be sitting on the bench. You know that there's no spectators in Christ? God has not called us to be spectators. There's no bleacher section in heaven, you know, where all the spectators are going to go. No, God has all called us to play the game. We're all called to, uh, uh, to be active in the game. And I'm here to let you know that God wants you to, to get into the game, get off the bench. But sometimes when we mess up, we put ourselves on the bench. We bench ourselves. You guys ever seen a player do that? They're out there playing, they get, oh, they make, oh, they get all, oh, and they go, they, they bench themselves. The coach is looking at them like, what are you doing? Like, are you serious right now? Right? What are you doing on the bench? And they get so frustrated, and they just they sit down on the bench, and they, take, and they throw their helmet down, and they just sit there, and they, they throw a pity party. Messed up, man. You know, and the coach is looking at them like, shut up, man. Get back in the game. What are you doing? Everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. Right? Just ask the Raiders. I just thought I was, you know, hey, that's my team, but it's true. Right? Right? It, it is. But... How many know we got to get back in the game? The coach knows. That's why the coach will look at those guys and go, what are you doing? Get back in the game. You know, and they come in there, wham, smack them upside their helmet, and like, come on, get back in there. You know, kick them in the butt. Get back in the game, man. Sometimes God has got to do the same thing with us. That's how he looks at us. Like, what are you doing? Like, no. There's souls out there dying, man. Your family needs, they need hope, and you're the one. You know, look what I did in your life. So what if you made a mistake? Your family still needs you. Get back in the game. I'm giving you another chance, man. Get back in there. Don't go sit on the bench. This game is like the claw game at the pizza restaurant. Anybody play that game? That's one of my favorite games because you put a quarter in the game, right? I'm not talking about the one with the stuffed animals. That's the devil, amen? I'm talking about the 25-cent one. It's got all the candy in it. It's got that, like, shovel claw, not the one with the little free things. That, that's, you know that's rigged, right? All right, I just want to let you guys know, just in case you guys thought you got skills or something. That game's rigged. Anyways, I love that game because you put a quarter in that game and it goes down, then it comes up and it's empty. It's okay because what happens? You get another chance. You get to keep going until you get something. You get to keep going until you win. Hello? How many of you guys like that? You got to keep on going until you win. Well, that's what it's like in the kingdom of God. We get to keep on going. We keep getting chance after chance after chance after chance until we get to victory. Can somebody say amen? How many of you know God has got victory in our lives? I'm telling you. You already have the victory. You just got to keep going and keep going and keep going because eventually you're going to get it. But you're not going to get it if you go sit on the bench. It ain't over until you win, but you can't win on the bench. You don't see Super Bowl champions sitting on the bench. Huh? 
I don't care how messed up you might think you are, God still has a plan for your life. I don't care how bad you think you messed up, God has still got a calling upon your life, right? The calling to God is irrevocable. Even though you mess up doesn't mean, oh, God says, okay, well, if you're not called anymore, you know, I'm, I'm going to go call somebody else. No, you're still called. You're still called. God still has a plan for you. you got to believe that here tonight. There's many stories in the Bible about messed up men and women who got second chances, right? In 2 Kings chapter 18, we read about how Elijah was used by God to destroy the prophets of Baal. You guys remember that story? God answered Elijah's prayer by God's power through Elijah. The people repented and turned their hearts back to God. Huh? Great and mighty thing happened in his life, but when we hear that, when they heard about Queen Jezebel, huh? He just did this great feat. All these uh, prophets of Baal were killed, and all of a sudden he hears Jezebel's coming after him. Huh? What happened? Next thing he put his tail between his legs and he took off running. Right? Elijah got it. He got he got out of the faith and he got into fear. See, that's what happens sometimes when we mess up. He even prayed to God to take his own life. Huh? But what, God, what did God tell him in 1 Kings chapter 19? He told him, go back. Go back. The game ain't over yet. Get up and finish what I called you to do. Huh? He said, come on, man. What are you doing hiding? What are you doing running? Get back in the game. I got a plan for your life, man. Get back in there. You've already got the victory. Huh? God is saying the same thing to some of us right now. Right now, God is telling you, get back in the game. God is telling you, get off the pity party bench. Huh? I mean, I... It might sound harsh, but come on. Get off the pity party bench. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't let the enemy come in and discourage you because the enemy will get that foothold in your life, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, you messed up, man. You blew it, brother. You blew it, sister. You know, people are going to be looking at you like this. The people are going to be looking at you like that. No, they're not. Not in this church. Uh-uh. We don't play that. Huh? You guys remember that in the 80s, right? Oh, homie, don't play that, right? V.O. Hart, don't play that. We don't look at you sideways, man, because we see what God sees. Huh? We see what God sees. You got to believe that. Don't let the enemy lie to you, man. Get off the bench. Grab a hold of somebody and say, man, I need help. Like, sister, like she was like sister Sharon, sometimes we got to be able to just ask, man, I need help, man. I need some help. God's going to give me a second chance, but I need some help. I need, a, I, need some, I need love with flesh on it. Come on, brother. A brother to brother, sister to sister. Hello. Right? Brothers, don't go to the sisters. I need love with flesh on it. No. It's not what I said. Brother to brother, sister to sister, amen? But sometimes we need that. We need that encouragement. We need another brother to come alongside us. We need another sister to come alongside of us and say, okay, man, God's going to give you another chance. I'm going to be right here with you. I'm going to walk you through it. We're going to do this side by side. Can somebody say amen? And get back in the game, man. <clears throat> See, God is saying that to us right now. You fell short the first time, but I've given you a second chance. You let someone stop you the first time, but I've given you a second chance. Because how many know sometimes we let people stop us? We let people hinder us, huh? We let people stop us and hinder us from getting that second chance from God. You know, because how do you know sometimes we go to the wrong people for advice? We go to the wrong people, go to the wrong people when, we, when we mess up. We go to those people that are going to be like, whoa, you did what? Ooh, man. You know, they're going to sit you down, brother. Or they're not going to, you know, the next thing you know, you're like, whoa. And then next thing you're sitting in the back or way up at the top, you know. Nothing is wrong with sitting in the back. I'm just, you know, or way up top. But I'm just saying, sometimes that's, you know, that's where God, that's where the enemy will take us. God, you know, spiritually speaking, he'll take us to the top, to the back, away from everything. Um, why? Because we allowed somebody to speak something into our life, and then we, we rest in that, right? I know God has not called us to rest in that stuff. God has told us to get off the bench, man. 
That's the bench. Get off the bench. As long as you sit on the sidelines asking, why did this happen to me, you will always be defeated. Why, why, why? Who cares? I say that, you know, with love. Amen? Who cares why it happened? Just don't let it happen again. Get off the bench. Only way it's not going to happen again is if you get off the bench. Right? If you don't get off the bench, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Your life's not going to change if you continue to sit on the bench. So get up, shake it off, and then God can come to your rescue and bring you a victory. Huh? Get up and shake it off. Peter denied Christ three times. Hello. 56 days later, God used him to preach salvation that brought 3,000 people to Christ. Huh? Three times he denied Christ. He didn't deny somebody he heard about. He denied somebody he walked with for three years, man. He ate, slept, walked mile upon mile upon mile with this man. He saw miracles. He saw people saved. He saw people rose from the dead. And he denied him three times. Three times. Want to talk about messing up? My God. And 56 days later, God used him. God used him, man, to preach the most powerful message ever recorded. I would have loved to be in there to hear what he would have told those people. Like, man, 3,000 people got saved. But he messed up. Hello. Because he got a second chance. Got any Peters here today? Any Peters here tonight? Huh? Ready to go preach a sermon, man? Get 3,000 people get saved? Let God use you again? How many know that God can use you no matter what? You guys got to believe that here today. AJ can come, amen? The team. But here tonight, I want you to know that the same God that gave the adulterous woman, Elijah, Peter, and yours truly a second chance is the same God who wants to restore you and give you another chance. That's who God is. That's what God does. That's the whole reason why Jesus Christ came. That's his, that was his whole ministry, was reconciliation, bringing people back to Christ, not to come and judge people and to say, you guys are all messed up. You guys blew it. You need to get right. What are you thinking? That's not what, that's not what his ministry was about. His ministry was about love, about reconciling, bringing back people into the kingdom, bringing back people into the family of God and saying, no, I love you, man. I love you. doesn't matter what you did. doesn't matter how bad you think you messed up. doesn't matter what you've done. I love you, man. I got great. I'm going to give you my grace and my mercy, even though you don't deserve it. But because I love you, because I got a plan for you, he gives us all another chance to do the right thing to make better decisions, to be the dad that we're supposed to be, to be the mom we're supposed to be, huh? to be that employee that we're supposed to be. God gives us another chance. It's not one shot and you're out. Don't think that. He's telling you, you don't have to be defeated or discouraged. You just got to get back in the game. You know, I don't know where anybody here is here tonight in your walk. I don't know where you think you messed up. I don't know how you think you blew it. But I look around tonight and I see a lot of faces of people that used to be here. God has given you a second chance because so you're here again. And it brings joy to my heart. It brings joy to my heart, man, when I see people that have, you know, that because I know because of, that was me. That was me. I messed up. I blew it time after time after time, man. You know, I mean, I could, I could sit here for another two hours telling you about the things that I've done and the way God, you know, gave me another chance, you know. 
So it blesses my heart when I see people that have left for whatever reason. You know, the enemy might have came in and got a foothold in your life and got discouraged, but you're back. And you say, you know what? God has given me another chance. And then my word for you is make the most of it. Make the most of this chance. And I'm not saying because if you don't, he's not going to give you another chance. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you don't need another chance. You don't have to go, you know, you don't have to wait for another chance. If he's giving you one now, make the most of the one he's giving you. Make the most of the one he's giving you now. Because he's still got a plan for you. He's still got a purpose. The calling is still there. and never left. You can walk into it tonight. You can step into that calling again tonight. Or maybe tonight you came tonight because you've been gone for a while. Maybe not from the church, but from God. You say, you know what? I need a chance. I need a second chance tonight. Maybe you felt like you didn't have another chance. Maybe you thought that last time was your last chance. You thought that was it. It's over. Nothing's going to change me. Nothing's going to change my life. My hope, my situation's hopeless. But for some reason, you're here tonight. And I believe, like Pastor was saying at the beginning, because somebody's going to have an experience with God tonight. Someone is going to have a Holy Ghost experience with God tonight. God is going to touch your life. God is going to touch your heart. God is going to change your perception about the way you think that he loves you. His love is going to capture you tonight. His love is going to wrap you up tonight. And you're not going to want to let go because he's going to give you that chance that you've been that you've been praying for, that you've been asking for. I want everybody to stand in here tonight.